Welcome to Sustainable Goalgetters. I'm Thomas Arblaster. The theme of this episode is centered around Sustainable Development Goal 7, Affordable and Clean Energy. You will hear from two experts, each active in the Netherlands to contribute to achieving this goal. Here with us are Hubert Linze, Project Manager of Geothermal Energy at UDelft. And also with us today, we have Bram Paul Jobse, Financial Director of EPZ. Thank you both for being here. Yep. Um, so Hubert, let's start with you. Uh, you're project manager of geothermal energy. Uh, let's start from the beginning. Uh, we all have kind of an idea of uh, what solar or wind looks like, but what about geothermal energy? How does one harvest energy from geothermal activity? Yes, thank you, first of all, for having me here today. And um yeah, geothermal energy is really uh, about the geothermal heat that is in the earth. It's a sustainable source of heat uh, that you can uh, retract. It's about a layer of two and a half kilometers deep where you have about 70 degrees Celsius of heat. You can uh, pump up the water uh, and then use it for, uh, for heating your buildings uh, and such. Is there a recent innovation that has made uh, geothermal energy feasible uh, as it's being planned here? Because if I think of geothermal energy, I think of places such as Iceland, which I think use very different installations from what we're planning here. Yeah. Now, currently there are about 15 uh, existing and operating geothermal locations in the Netherlands. And it's really a major part of the aim for the Netherlands to become climate neutral uh, to achieve more and more geothermal heat. Uh, actually, currently there's about four petajoule installed. And in 2030, that would be uh, the aim to have about 50 petajoule installed. So geothermal energy currently is more or less only used in greenhouses uh, and in the building environment is less used. While it's a great opportunity, nevertheless, there is still research also to develop the technology further. And that's one of the reasons that the TU Delft is participating in this project at Geothermal Energy in Delft. So as we're developing this uh, geothermal uh, plant, we're also kind of helping in researching this technology. Yes, that's key that the TU Delft is participating the mission, as you know, of the TU Delft is to have impact on a better society. Uh, and uh, all our scientists are working on that day to day, but not only working on it in, in, uh, in our scientific publications, we're also uh, participating actively in consortia who are establishing this sustainable campus. Uh, and that's one of the reasons that uh, the TU Delft is participating. Um, and the second, of course, is that the sustainable heat that is uh, coming out of the geothermal well is being used for the campus. So it's also a, a goal in itself to make the campus more sustainable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because uh, the TU Delft campus has its own goal of uh, being a, a carbon neutral campus as well. Yeah. Um, in light of that, how should we imagine the amount of energy coming from this geothermal plant? How does that compare to the overall energy demand of the TU Delft campus? 
Yeah, it's really significant. So uh, to imagine about 120, 130 gigajoules per year is used uh, in the faculties as heat. It's a high temperature heat currently. So the heat is produced by gas turbines, VKKs. So that's, uh, what is it? Heat and power uh, uh, combined oh, yeah, cycles. Com well, yeah. Um, but Com combined heat and power plants. Combined yeah. heat and power plants. Is the, the VKC, as we call it in Dutch uh, here at the campus. Um, but the whole campus, the heat of all the faculties and also part of the Delft city can be used uh, by the source of geothermal heat. So it's an immense opportunity that lies ahead of us. To, uh, but again, also the heat is mid-temperature, so it's not 130 degrees, but 70 degrees. So there's a lot of refurbishment within the faculties, the buildings necessary to make the heat exchangers that are used for uh, the heat, to distribute the heat, uh, to, to change that to mid-temperature uh, range. So it's quite an operation. It's not only to establish and realize a well, but also downstream, the whole heat network will be uh, refurbished and changed. Just to, to give us a picture, what does that look like to refurbish something from a high heat um, to a medium heat? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you all know the laws of thermodynamics, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> but in uh, to make it simple, all, we all have radiators, mm -hmm. uh, so heat exchangers in, in the buildings. Uh, and if you have a high temperature, uh, water inside the, the radiator, then you need less surface. But if you have a lower temperature, you need more surface. So we have plate heat exchanges that are being installed currently in all the buildings. Uh, and that is, of course, the operation that you can only do when the buildings are not occupied. So when uh, people are in summer uh, on holiday, then... Uh, all these exchanges are uh, are exchanged. Oh, and there's a pandemic, for example. And there's currently a pandemic, so partly we're already working on that. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, thank you for that introduction. Uh, Brampo, let's go over to you. Um, okay, so for someone who knows nothing about the world of energy production, what is EPZ? Okay, EPZ is a uh, Dutch uh, electricity producer. And um, yeah, we always say we have the total energy world of uh, at least the Netherlands uh, in our backyard because we are a very small uh, company, but we have all sources of energy. So that means uh, we started with an oil-generated electricity production. Then we had a coal-fired power plant. Then we transferred the coal-fired power plant into uh, co-firing biomass. And it was even possible to uh, fire gas in that coal-fired power plant. Uh, in the meantime, we had also we had uh, the nuclear power plant, which is the only operating nuclear power plant in the world or in uh, the Netherlands. We started with that in 1972, and it's still running. It's 485 megawatts uh, of net electricity uh, set daily uh, onto the net, and uh, we have uh, several wind turbines, and we have uh, one of the biggest solar parks in the southwest of the Netherlands. Yeah, it's a very broad range of uh, operations indeed. Um, okay, so we're going to talk about uh, nuclear power today. Uh, in short, could you tell us how a nuclear plant actually operates? 
Okay, that's a good question for a, a financial and economical uh, educated person, but I try to do it. <laughs> I have a lot of experience. I've been working for more than 20 years with mm -hmm. an EPZ. So in general, uh, we are using natural uranium, mm -hmm. which contains approximately 0.7% of the fissile isotope uranium-235. And what we need is splitting up that isotope, which uh, produces a lot of heat. So to do that, we have to enrich the natural uranium into higher enriched uranium. So we need uh, uh, approximately 4% of the 235 isotope. So when we have that, we sinter that material into small pellets. The pellets are put into uh, rods and the rods are put into assemblies. And I say an assembly is a, a three meter high uh, fuel assembly which contains 15 by 15 fuel rods in it. And with that, we put 121 uh, of that assemblies in our nuclear reactor. And then uh, we uh, start production by uh, lifting the control rods, which starts the, uh, say the neutron uh, production. And that means that then the 235 will be split up into uh, several smaller isotopes, which produces a lot of heat. And that heat is put from the primary circuit into the secondary circuit where it's steam producing. The steam is put on the turbine. The turbine is driving the generator and the generating is creating electricity, which is put on the net and uh, which uh, causes a lot of electricity, which we can use for all the sources we are using electricity for. That's in a few highlights of what electricity production means with a nuclear power plant. Okay, so like if I imagine a nuclear power plant, there's always this big cooling tower. So the the water vapor from that cooling tower, that's actually what's driving mm. the generator. I think that that's, that's in, indeed when you see pictures of nuclear mm. power plants, you mainly see the big cooling tower. Yeah. However, that, that's not a necessity. As you see in Borsel, we don't have a cooling tower. Oh, really? Because we are at the river Westerschelde which has an enormous volume of water in it. And part of that water is transferred via our cooling system into uh, the cooling system of the power plant. And the water flood is so enormous that we don't need a cooling tower. Okay, very interesting. To give you an idea, we only use less than 1.01% of the volume of the river Westerschelde, which is not very much. Okay, so uh, both of you represent energy production. Both of you want energy production to be affordable, clean, uh, and you know to be um, exploited in a sustainable way. Uh, now that we have an idea of how these methods uh, actually work, let's talk about how clean they are. Uh, of course, anything we build uh, or exploit in the world will have some form of environmental burden. Uh, Brampal, let's stick to nuclear energy for now. I think a common argument when talking about uh, nuclear plants is also the radioactive waste associated. Uh, but how does this work exactly and how should we imagine this at EPZ? Yeah, so we are using the fuel assemblies for four years in the reactor. And at that moment, mm -hmm. we have to unload the fuel assemblies from the reactor. Then you have roughly a choice in how to handle the waste. And you have roughly two methods. That's direct disposal, which means that you store the fuel assemblies into a cask and the cask in a very big building. And then we, and, uh, normally you are looking for a solution for uh, a final storage or final disposal. 
In the Netherlands, we have a, a different system. We are using the technique of reprocessing the fuel. That means that we reuse the reusable part of the fuel as much as possible. That means that we are choosing for reprocessing, that we are sending the assemblies towards France. And in France, 95% of the material can be reused and will be sent back as new fuel for the power plant. The leftovers, which is only 5%, is very small. So that means a volume of approximately uh, a few cubic meters per year, which is packed into canisters. And the canisters are transported to Covra, which is the, the building and the company who is responsible for handling the nuclear waste. So that means Covra is a state-owned company. So the state takes over the responsibility for the uh, nuclear waste, which is, in my opinion, a, a very good uh, regulated in the Netherlands especially, because of then you don't have any commercial influence on, on waste. And commercial uh, operation and waste is always a difficult combination. So it's good that we can transfer that to the COVRA. Um, so what I said, it's a very small volume. On the other hand, we have to pay for that. And the principal COVRA is using is the polluter pays. That means COVRA is uh, storing the waste for the long term. And they are responsible also for the final disposal in the deep underground in the long future. And for the, all that sort of things, we have to pay upfront. When, the, when we deliver any canister or any cask, we have to pay a serious amount of money to cover that financial aspect of the waste. I think in, in the world, in my opinion, we are a sort of guiding country on how to handle nuclear waste. We have the infrastructure, we have the regulation, and I think we are reusing as much as possible natural sources by uh, using the technique of reprocessing uh, uranium. Okay, so it sounds like um, kind of a, a rather popular image of nuclear waste as like this is very hazardous material. In practice, it doesn't actually come to that because of how regulated it is. I think, of course, it, it's very sensitive material. So, but mm -hmm. in, in the way we handle it in the Netherlands, I'm yeah, what I say, I'm proud of it. I think it's very good, well regulated. Yeah, well, that's great to hear. Mm -hmm. Are there any other effects uh, surrounding nuclear energy to keep in mind, or like to what extent um, do you think nuclear energy can really be categorized as clean energy? Yeah, that's, that's a very good question. Uh, in my opinion, uh, yeah, when we are talking about clean energy, well, we are talking about uh, reducing CO2 emissions. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, using uh, nuclear energy avoids substantial greenhouse gas emissions, amongst other uh, CO2. So I think, yeah, then you can say uh, nuclear is clean. One more question before we move on. Um, does uh, EPZ actually deal with questions from the public a lot or from communities worried about uh, the power plants or about waste? Of course, we have a lot of questions and we all know the questions about, yeah, about the public opinion on mm -hmm. uh, nuclear. And what we see is that it's often based upon, uh, say, emotion or, or feelings. And our role is indeed to, to tell the facts. And that's what we are very happy to do. So what you see is, say, for example... We are uh, having uh, a lot of guided tours uh, in the plants. We organize guided tours in Covra, the, the storage building of the nuclear waste, to explain how it works, how, how we handle with uh, safety, with security, how we handle with, with uh, the, the feeling of, of, a danger, of having dangerous material in, in, in your house. And my opinion is I've guided a lot of 
groups and and my opinion is that when when they leave our buildings they always say okay thank you very much and it's very good to know the facts because there is a lot of feeling and having an opinion after you have heard the facts is much easier than having an <laughs> opinion about than uh, only by coordinated by your feelings yeah okay that, that sounds very interesting that's uh Good. So you're yeah, more than welcome to uh, to come to our yeah. power plant, and we are more than willing to guide you also uh, through the uh, interesting uh, material. Yeah, yeah, sounds very interesting. Thank you, um, Hubert. Actually, uh, TU Delft also has a nuclear power plant, right? Every day, yes, yeah. yes. But I'm not the expert in that uh, okay. field, so uh. no. I just yeah, just uh, came to mind. I, I can give a few a few words about that. Oh, really? Compare it with the, with our mm -hmm. reactor. We have a power reactor which is producing electricity. Mm -hmm. The nuclear power reactor within Delft uh, University is a research reactor. So it's oh. only a few megawatts. And what I said that our power reactor is 485 megawatts. So there is a big difference in that, in, in sources sorry. and and in use of uranium and mm -hmm. uh, material for uh, production. Uh, heat when that's the main source yeah that's uh, quite a substantial difference indeed okay so hubert uh, back to uh, geothermal energy we already talked about how big of an undertaking this would be to, to upgrade the tu delft campus uh, in such a way but thinking about the geothermal well itself uh, we go down uh, two three kilometers i believe you said where does this happen what does that look like um, yeah. from above um, I don't know if you're familiar in the campus with the, the WKC, that's the Warmtekrachtcentrale in Dutch. In the vicinity of 3ME, there's this, uh, this power plant for the TU Delft. Uh, and really uh, next to the WKC, where you have this combined power and heat currently, there will be this, uh, the realization of this well. The well is indeed, uh, you have to think about that every kilometer uh, that you go into the earth, the temperature will rise about 30 degrees. Um, and then uh, two and a half kilometers, we will uh, go into depth. Uh, well, you have an injection well and you have a production well. So the so one well, the, the water is going up, uh, then it's used via a heat exchanger uh, to the secondary uh, cycle where you have the, the heat used for the buildings. And then uh, once it is used, the cooled uh, water will be injected back into the uh, other well, the injection well. These two wells are uh, about two kilometers uh, apart from each other. Because you have a permeability in the layer, uh, as a sandstone, as a sand layer, so where you have the the water which is cooled slowly within the lifetime of the geothermal well, this water is reaching the hot part of the water. So that's why we also say that the lifetime of such a heat, geothermal heat, uh, is about 30 years. The well itself is really, uh, it's drilled in front of the WKC. You can hardly see it, eh? so the well is... is just on the ground, but you have some uh, surface installations, which mainly be will be part uh, of the plant that is already there. You have some piping. So in hindsight, or, or you, in conclusion, you see almost nothing of the well itself, which 
can be quite an elegant solution in the building environment. The neighbors would not like to have a, a big power plant next to their doors. Well, uh, the geothermal well is hardly, uh, uh, yeah, you can have actually have some nice trees around it. So it's, it has a good aesthetic view. And if I think of this like shafts going into the earth, are there any other influences that that has on the environment? Um, noise or anything with the, the subterranean yeah. water, anything like that? Yeah, during realization, so when you are drilling actually the, the wells, then you have for a period of about three months, you really have 24-7 have drilling operations, which is causing uh, noise. The pipes, they collapse or they 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 cling to each other and then you have some noise. Uh, there's light and maybe in the night you see the light. Um, so in a, all in all, you will have some nuisance. Um, but during operation, you hardly uh, have any. So that is so. There's the only um, nuisance that you can have is that there is a um, every now and then there's some flaring because with the water, the there's also some gas. The gas is caught uh, in the earth under pressure, and it's like a, a bottle of spa water that when you open it, there the bubbles. They, they rise with the water. Uh, so there's also formation gas, as it is called, is coming with the hot water. And that formation gas, we will upgrade that to Groningen gas. So caloric value will be lower because the, we, we get high caloric value uh, gas out of it. Um, but then we can just distribute that to the Staden uh, network. But once every time you have to test the flare, those are the only uh, possible uh, nuisances during operation. Hmm. You said something interesting before that I hadn't really um, thought of. Uh, so a geothermal power plant has a certain lifespan after it's been insulated. Yep. Uh, what do you do afterwards? Yeah, let's say there's not yet much experience with uh, geothermal wells that are finished mm -hmm. so uh, those those are really are 30 years because the technology is rather new in, in Paris there are a lot of wells which are indeed more than 30 years and they seem all to operate uh, still but uh, in theory we say that there is an end to the lifetime because the Delta temperature uh, will become lower so it will be less attractive to pump up the heat. So we've talked about the clean aspects of these energy sources, but of course the SDG is about having a clean energy, which is also affordable. Um, Hubert, let's go on with you. Uh, what does the financial picture look like for geothermal energy? Is it mostly uh, initial investments? Does the upkeep cost a lot as well? Maybe the, the end of life that we discussed? Yeah. Now, there's, so there are a couple of um, advantages which you could also translate it to uh, financial advantages. Indeed, as you mentioned, the initial investment is high. Um, and it is not possible right now to have initial uh, investment without subsidies. Mm -hmm. And so that is currently uh, uh, still uh, necessary. Uh, but then once you have drilled the wells and you have installed 
the the surface installation actually there is hardly any uh opex so to say expenditures during the operation um of course the pumps you need to provide the electricity and uh but that that is that is a big advantage the other advantage is that it is stable the costs are stable um you have a day and night uh a steady operation uh, also season there is no fluctuations i think i guess that is similar to the nuclear power but in relation to other uh wind power offshore power uh, of course they are very dependent on uh, on on external uh, sources and about really the insights about uh how much capex currently uh, we are in the development mm -hmm. with the consortium i cannot tell you uh, much details about that yeah no okay that, that's very interesting already uh for you the same question um we already talked briefly about the the cost of storage is that the main expenditure on uh, nuclear energy no it, it's part of the expenditure when mm -hmm. when you say it in in general you can state that approximately uh one third is uh, opex so the regular uh, operational costs one third is uh say investment of the of the uh, so the, the build of the installation and one third is what 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 you say okay that's that's the back end what we call this so so the waste of the fuel and uh the say the decommissioning of the power plant in the future and the advantage is that the fuel costs are relatively low so this means you are not very influenced your cost price is not influenced by developments of the for example the uranium price because it's only a very small part of your uh, total uh, costs of your production. When we're talking about uh, global uh, energy goals, uh, an, an important or famous report is the, the IPCC reports, which is uh, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, which, which releases very ambitious reports about keeping uh, global warming to below 1.5 degrees compared to pre-industrial levels. Uh, and in this report, nuclear energy plays a pretty significant role um, how important is it also in the Netherlands or, you know, globally um, from your perspective to include nuclear energy? Okay, so for, for the answer on the global side is for mm -hmm. me really that we have not the freedom to exclude any source of uh, sustainable energy because we need all the sources of energy. Looking at the electricity part, which is our specialty, so then approximately 20% of the electricity production in the Netherlands is sustainable sources. So wind, solar, and biomass, and, and in my opinion, nuclear then. So the target is in the Netherlands to make that 70% in 2030. So after approximately 20 years of uh, sustainable energy uh, policy, we have now grown 1% per year up to 20% at this moment. We now have to grow to 70% in the next 10 years. I think we definitely need all sources of energy as well as biomass, as well as um, wind, as well as solar, as well as geothermal. And I don't think we have the freedom to exclude, for example, nuclear. So I think, I think we need them all. Yeah, I totally agree on that. Uh, and if you look also in Delft, eh, the, the research that is being done, uh, the campus that has now really um, have the ambition to become a CO2 neutral and circular campus. Uh, the field labs, labs like the Green Village, where you uh, really everybody must be involved. 
uh, we have to be open to all technologies. And I guess also for the future engineers, students, it is really a challenge for them to, um, to come up with the facts, to research, and to take into account the emotions that are involved in the transition, uh, but then also to see how can we in co-creation um, overcome those hurdles. So there's not only hurdles on the technology, but there's hurdles also on the regulation. There's hurdles on the cost, on the business models of these technologies. Um, and last but, but not least, there's a lot of um, potential hurdles on the social embracement. Uh, and really, we have to take all those into account. It cannot be only one technology. Uh, the, uh, the generation of, of natural gas and that was spoiled by, uh, by the Groningen well, uh, those times are over. Uh, so it's not only electricity cars, it's also hydrogen cars. It's not only uh, wind, but it's also solar and also nuclear also. That's my opinion. And also geothermal energy, of course. Yeah. Um, so uh, closing off, if we look into the future of uh, geothermal energy, as we said, this is really an, an up and coming uh, energy source here in the Netherlands. Do you see it as being one of the big players in the energy mix, say in 10, 20 years? We really need to, uh, and that's what I started with, it is key that we research the technology further mm -hmm. to be more uh, confident on drilling holes, where to drill the holes. Because then if you do that, then financing such a well will become more easy. Uh, and then the cost go down and then the adaption of the technology will increase. So that's all starting also with good engineering and good research. And that's why... Adults participating, but looking at the potential, I guess that ah, I'm not the expert. Those are the scientists uh, at mm -hmm. TU Delft uh, and also EBN, for, for instance. But about one third of the Netherlands is the, the earth layers are suitable for for geothermal uh, heat. It's not like in Iceland where you have really below the surface. You already have a very hot source. And you can actually not only make hot water for heating your household, but actually make steam. It's supercritical water, so you can make steam out of it. That's a total different ball game. Um, but it, be, it can definitely become a big uh, and, and stable player in the built environment. But it's still, we need to do uh, development to reach that goal. Van um, Paul, what about um, EPZ? What does the future look like for company yeah what, what I say uh, we we believe in 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 our responsibility to help the the world uh, in, in in the long in the very long future that means that we definitely have to go for the uh, sustainable targets but seeing the current policies means that we are not uh, when we exclude nuclear energy we will not uh, touch uh, the uh, the target so that means that we believe in uh, the contribution of uh, nuclear power in the longer future. And that means that we believe in uh, expanding the company with uh, possibly uh, expansion of the lifetime of the current power plant, but preferably uh, building two nuclear power plants in the Netherlands, in the southwest of the Netherlands, where we have space, where we have the knowledge and where we have uh, the responsibility. Well, thank you both so much for being here today. Uh, I think our conversation really helps shine some lights on uh, what clean energy looks like today and in the future. Thank you. 
thank you for having us here. And thank you very much. Thank you. I've given the ability of having our story and presented here at the table. Thank you very much. Our gratitude goes out to Brampal Jobsen and Hubert Linzer for being our guests this week. If you want to know more about EPZ, visit epz.nl or contact them through info at epz.nl. To learn more about geothermal energy at TU Delft, you can go to geothermiedelft.nl. Sustainable Goalgetters is a joint project by CleanTU, Boras and Isaac in Delft. We are recorded and edited by Joey Kleiner.